0: Amazing to see you guys as always. Our fearless leader, Senior Pastor JP uh, Trolio, is doing the Chicago Triathlon this morning. So we're proud of him, rooting him on. <laughs> if you're seeing this, I think, I think he's done. I think he finished it. Um, anyone confirm that? I looked online. It looks like he finished. So that's good. I told them, man, just don't. You gotta finish for the sake of all the la- the sermon illustrations. Right? For like the last two months, it's like, man gotta make it happen. So it looks like he did, which is awesome. We are proud of him, and uh, yeah, happy to be with you guys this morning. I do uh, have a word that that I feel like God has placed on my heart for our church today, and so I'm excited to get right into it. I I basically want to talk kind of through three passages of scripture, okay? So if you look at your Bible, um, one of them's in Joshua, one's in Isaiah, and one's in Luke. So what I love about it Right, you don't have to open or anything right now, but I just love thinking that Joshua's here at the beginning, Isaiah's in the middle, Luke is near the end. Each one of these passages is separated by 800 to 1,000-ish years of history. There's probably a Bible student in here who's gonna correct me after we're done, but ish, right, ish covers it all. 800-ish, 1,000-ish years of, of history in between each one of these passages. But it's amazing to see how God tells the story, right? How He's telling His story throughout Scripture, and there is some specific stuff I want to go after today. So I just want to get right into it. We're going to start in Joshua chapter nine. So, uh, as many of you may know, and if not, that's cool. Let me explain it to you real quick. In Joshua, the people of Israel, which the people of God, um, is taking the Promised Land, right? They had been in the desert for for years, and they had been in, in slavery before that. So they're finally like getting their their promise. Their blessing, and they go in, and God was very specific. He said, "When you go in, you got to wipe out all these sinful peoples. I'm giving you this land to dwell in." Right? There's a lot we can get from that. Uh, other messages, you know, when, when we when we come to know Christ, sin should be eliminated to live in the full promise of God. And so we see that through His people, they're, they're coming into the Promised Land, and God was very clear. He said, "Do not make." He literally said, "Do not make any deals, treaties with any of the people there. Get rid of them. Like you can't make a deal with sin, right? I mean." You, Got to get rid of it. They're like, yes, cool, sweet. Then we get to Joshua 9, and it says, however, when you see however in the Bible, it's usually not good, right? However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, that they were just wiping these sinful people out, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn out sacks and old wineskins cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country, make a treaty with us. The Israelites sampled their provisions, here's the key, but did not inquire of the Lord. So they saw this, they're like, oh, okay. They used their eyes, their intuition, right? They sampled the bread, it's moldy. Okay, yeah, we believe, did not inquire of the Lord. And they made the treaty. God specifically said, do not do this. And they did it, right? And so afterwards, uh, Gibeon, this people of Gibeon, uh, now they're in the Old Old Testament days, the covenant was very, very important, right? So if they have this covenant, something happens to Gibeon, Israel needs to defend them. And soon after, uh, a few other kings in the area declared war on Gibeon. So now Gibeon's like, they have like this this covenant now. It's like the the little kid getting picked on goes to the older brother. Like they came to Israel like, hey, you got to fight for us. And so just imagine for a moment, um, Joshua, the leader uh, of the people of Israel, now has to go to war because he did not inquire of the Lord. Right? So, so he shouldn't have to go fight this battle, but he has to now. So now he's at war, he's gotta risk lives, his men, his followers, guys that look to him, people that trust him. He has to say, guys, we gotta go fight for Gibeon because we made this deal with them, and in the, and these days you couldn't violate this pact that you made, so they gotta to go to war. As a pastor, I've had so many conversations with people who say, no, I, I believe in a loving God, but I, I did this. I created this mess. Like, no, I know God loves me, but I've I messed up this time. It was my fault. Like, we believe, right, that David can defeat Goliath, but what happens when you create Goliath? And so these people of Israel, they, 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 this is Joshua's fault. It's his fault. He messed up. After knowing the promise, after knowing the direction, after knowing what he had to do, he messed up. Uh, and then God, Joshua goes, cries out to God. He's like, we gotta go to war. I love what happens next, right? So now we're in in chapter 10. God says, go to war. And it says, Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, listen, please. He said, do not be afraid of them. And Joshua could say, but this is my fault. I did this. Don't be afraid. I got us into this. mess. I got my family. I ruined the credit score. Whatever it is, do not be afraid is the first response. Don't be afraid. And then... Uh, He takes them up, says, I have given them into your hand. None of them, not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, this is crazy. Not only are they in a war because of Joshua's fault, God ends up doing one of the most amazing miracles that we see in the Old Testament. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon and you moon over the valley of Eichelon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. They were there because somebody messed up. And then not only did God say, do not fear, he did a crazy miracle to get them out of the situation they put themselves in, right? Let me pray one more time, then we're gonna hop into this. Father, anoint your word this morning, Lord. Whoever's here with with mental struggle, uh, those, those of us who are facing this accusing voice of the enemy about what our future looks like because of our past, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray people will be set free in this room today. Lord, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. So what what do we do with our past, right? I know that we all have a past. Everyone here, some of us, uh, there's a little bit more rated R than others, right, in our past, and there's stuff that we've done that we don't want anyone to know about. Uh, some of us have some some amazing testimony of what God has gotten us through, and, uh, and we've all we can all say we've done dumb things, right? Like I could pass the mic around, and we could probably just be shocked, right, at some of the some of the stories. Um, I remember saying that the dumbest thing I'd ever done when I was uh, in high school, I was on on 294 and I had my dad's Jeep and it was white. And I was, this is back before the I-Pass, you know? and, And I could not find like the 75 cents or whatever in my pocket and it was almost my turn at the toll booth. And I just thought like, I'll just go through with the car in front of me, right? Like it's gonna go up, I'm gonna slam on the gas and I'm just gonna go through with the car in front of me. Like, and it just made sense to me at the time. And they all have, like, so the, the gate went up, the guy uh, went, went through, and I think my, my little brother was with me. And so the gate goes up, the car goes through, and I just hammered the gas, and you guys know the, the, the thing drops like instantaneously, right? And so it dropped, hammered it with the car, full on. It, it hit the front of the car, scraped up the entire hood, orange, right? Just scraped up, and then hit the windshield and snapped like a toothpick. And then I remembered that I had 75 cents in the console, so I stopped the car. Grabbed the change, walked back, threw it in the basket, and drove off, right? But I had to have that talk with my dad when I got home, like, yeah. Um, and I remember saying, this is the dumbest thing I've literally ever done. And he, and he said, like, if that's the dumbest thing you ever do, you're going to be all right, right? Um, I probably outdid it since then, but that, that's good enough. Like, we all, we all think of things, right? We know things. We've done things. The problem is this. So often, because of how we're wired and, and just how what society tells us, what the enemy, the devil wants to tell you, so often we, we don't move past things we've done even though we believe in a God that does miracles. So we'll look at things in our past and, and we'll say, oh no, this is just, I guess this is how I am, right? Maybe you've messed up a few times or, or you, you, know, you haven't kept the job you wanted and you just think, something gets in your head, this is how it's going to be. You narrow your focus. You narrow your vision to like, this is how I am. Right, like I, I, I can't get a job like that because I can never do that. Or I can't create art like they do. I can never do that. I'm not that talented. Because someone somewhere told you, right, or somebody said something to you, words were spoken over you that you're not gonna, you're not gonna add up to that, that you're not that creative, you're not that talented, whatever it is, and we just stay in this spot, and then we start to settle. And you can see this play out, like, in sociology, you can see it play out over generations, over people groups, where they, they think, like, I can only get, like, this far, right? Like, I can only do this much. Like, this is all that I'm capable of. There's even a, a psychological principle. I'm not going to say the real name. Uh, there's, a, there's a cuss word in it. But it's the what, what the heck principle, but it's the other word, right? What the H word. And it's true. You can Google this later. It's this principle that, that they've named because it's like when you're, on a, when you're on a diet, right, and you break the diet, you have like two chips, and then you say, nah, right, I've already had two, I might as well eat the whole bag, right? Am I the, not, not everyone does this, no? Or like, you know, whatever, you're, you're, you're gonna run three miles, that might be more applicable to this church, right? You're gonna run three miles, and then you're like, nah, I don't, uh, and you're supposed to run the next day, you're like, ah, I didn't run the day before, ah, what the heck, I don't need to do it, and but it starts to affect the pattern, right, the pattern of your lives. And it's sad because in marriages and, and with depression, with whatever else, we see people that start to think this is how it's going to be, right? Like this is my life. This is what I deal with. Uh, we, we settle for a little bit of joy when we know so much more is possible. And so, like, this, this idea, and honestly, as a pastor, there's so many differences between Mexico and the U.S., uh, food-wise, for example, um, every, so many things. But, but one of the things that I, I find the same before I moved to Mexico, my 17 years in Mexico, now back, people have this struggle where they see things that they've done Right, like things that I have done. No, I messed up after knowing the Lord. Like I knew the Lord and man, he had this promise and this life was planned for me, but now there's gonna be like a plan B and thank God there's a plan B, but it's not gonna be as awesome as plan A would have been because I did this. I wanna come against that in Jesus' name this morning. There, there's one of, my, one of my favorite stories from the mission field, right, I wanna talk to you guys a little bit about, one of my, one of my favorite times as a missionary uh, was my pilot stage, right? I call it my pilot stage because I learned how to fly an airplane, okay? And this is as terrifying as you would think it would be for everyone that was around me, okay? Like, I, I honestly was not very good at it, okay? Like, I, I mean, and it's not the kind of thing you want to not be that good at. Um, <laughs> what happened, like, so I lived in Topeka, which is the capital city of Nayiri, and we had mountains all around us, and there were these indigenous people groups that lived in the mountains, So after I'd been in Mexico like 12 years, I'd heard so much about these groups, and I wanted to go, like, see it. Like, I wanted to go to the mountains, but it was like a 10-hour bus ride, but I'd heard it's only a 20-minute flight, right? 10-hour bus ride, 20-minute flight. I was like, I gotta go, but I had no idea how to get up there, no idea what to do. So one day, I'm at Starbucks, and this was like a dream of mine, and I was at Starbucks, and um, there's another gringo there, right? It was like... Like we're both we're both white. Like what's up, man? Like this is weird, right? It was it's not you don't. I never would see other gringos, and so it's like what are you doing here, man? He's like he's like oh I'm a pilot and I work with this missionary organization and we have a base here now and we fly up into the mountains. He's like what are you doing here? I was like no I'm a I'm a pastor and he's like you're a pastor? He's like I was just in the mountains and I met this guy. They have a church and he said they need a pastor to come help them because this guy's trying to run the church. He has no idea what he's doing and he wants a pastor. And I was like. I'm a pastor, like, let, <laughs> let's go, let's do this, and he's like, yeah, yeah, so we set up a time to fly up to these mountains. Before we could go fly, there was a disaster, like a flood in, in the northern part of our state, and he said, hey, let's go fly in supplies, come with me, right? So I, me and my buddies from the church, we run, we hop in the plane, we fly out there, and we asked him to do a stall and stuff, and he did. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's terrifying, like the plane, you go up till you can't, so it just shuts down, and then you fall, right, until you can grab enough power again, and, and he asked me, he's like, do you want to fly I was like, yes, I want to fly. And the guys, my buddies in the backseat were just like, not a good idea. And so, so you just grab the controls and you got to keep the line on the line, you know. And it was, it was awesome. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. So I started studying. I, I signed up for classes online. And this guy started taking me flying with him. Um, and so, you know, the, the, I don't know to this day why, but they felt like they could kind of like give me more of an opportunity before I was ready. Uh, like I remember showing up and he's like, all right, man today you're taking off, and I was like, I don't, I don't know, They're like, all right, so we, we're, we're going down the runway, and I, and we take off, like, I just did it, right, and you hear the stall alarm, and then he's like, hey, very calmly, he's like, you got to push it forward a little bit, like, we're, we're too steep, and then I over pushed it forward, right, so there was this moment, like, three, four hundred feet off the ground, where you just are, like, the ground, right, it just filled up, the whole field of vision was the runway, and like, the, you know how, like, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? I feel like God gave us a pass, right, on the, on the words that were coming out of our mouths. Like, just, like, the initial reaction of, like, multiple languages of bad words being said, right? And, and, and the, the pilot calmly just kind of, like, ah, pulled this out of it. And he's like, hey, next time, you know, you want to be a little bit more gentle. I was like, yeah, okay, thanks. Um, and so we kept trying, anyway, so we go up to this church. I actually have some pictures. I want you guys to see how beautiful this This area, so this is flying up into these mountains, right? Um, just wa- so so literally it was a 20 minute flight from where we were there's another one. Uh, I would just snap these it's beautiful. a um, couple more. This is the church up there, so this is like where their church building all these indig- some of them would walk for hours and hours and hours to get to To service and then one more this is proof that i was flying the plane everyone was terrified behind me right so thank you thank you um as we're doing this like we went up to this church and it was beautiful but like i was like oh i gotta bring people with me like i have kids people in our main church and worship people and so i was like how many people can we fit in this little plane the guy's like "Ah, we can put two behind and then two in the little jump seat in the back we won't be able to carry any weight i was like that's fine got a worship person a kids person and we showed up to the airport, super early on Sunday morning, like we are gonna go do church in the mountains. And the pilot, when we walked up, the pilot said, hey man, today you're sitting in the left seat, you're taking off, you're doing everything. And everyone with me was kind of like, like the kids guys like, are you a pilot? And I was like, no, not at all. <laughs> and so, and like seriously, just imagine, some of these people have never flown before, never been on an airplane. Could you imagine the abject horror, right? Like when we got on, the pilot the pilot said, I never realized, he said, drive us to the runway. He's like, it's like driving a tractor. It's like, I've never driven a tractor, right? But it's like, you gotta use the pedals to move. Um, so I couldn't get it to the runway. We're like veering into the grass. Could you just imagine people sitting behind us like, it's their first time in an airplane. We can't even, like, we're just like... And so finally get to the road, take off, flying like this, which is not good. One of the girls literally was throwing up in the back seat. Made it out there, awesome service. And and, and again, more more stories, I I kept flying with this guy. One time we were way up, and I got lost looking at an instrument. And he said this to me, this calm. He said, we are literally plummeting toward the ground right now. That's how he said it, (laughs) he was that calm. And he was like, and if you don't like that, if you don't like that, you can fix it. And I looked, I was like, oh yeah, okay. And I say all that, right? I say all that because the first time we flew with that disaster up north, the first time I grabbed the controls, before he did that, he very casually said, hey, listen, man, I was, a, I was a flight instructor in the U.S. for years, and we had to put people in really hard situations. He said, there is literally no situation, there is nothing you can do to us that I could not get us out of. And when he said that, I was like, I, t- I totally put him to that test, right? Like I, but... <laughs> But when he said that, I literally, except for the one time on the runway, except for that, I was never afraid. I was so fun. It was it was a, it was a great season of life learning how to fly. We, like we would we would be up there and I'd be like, "Hey man, what would you do right now if the motor just quit?" Right? And he just would very calmly like, "Oh, see that little patch right over there? I've been watching. it. if the motor quit, I would set us down. It's like plane would probably be destroyed, but we'd we'd be fine." And I like believed him. I was like, "Sweet, right?" Like <laughs> like like. like He inspired so much confidence. And and just that thought, like when he said, there's nothing you could do to this that I couldn't fix. I think as believers, we've lost sight of that. There's literally nothing you can do that your heavenly father cannot redeem you from. And what the enemy would love to do more than anything else is convince you that you've gone too far. What you did, no coming back from it. Oh no, maybe there is coming back from it, but it's not gonna be the same right? There, there, There's these phrases that people say, and I hate it. I was telling Pastor Nick this morning, I hate when people say, ah, you just got to get used to a new normal, right? New normal. It's like, no, I serve the, an all-powerful living God. There is no new, my new normal is going to be better than whatever before was, right? Like, we're going uh, from here to something better in Jesus' name. I'm sick. Or when people say, like, oh, he forgives you, but now you have to live with the consequences. It's like, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again to destroy sin and consequences in Jesus' name, right? Like there may be some things that look different, but we're gonna, we're gonna march in victory through whatever consequence we have to deal with. And just to get this mindset going, so let's jump ahead, jump ahead to the next story, Isaiah. Isaiah 43 is a very key chapter in, in the Old Testament. Um, in Isaiah 42, if you read like the end of Isaiah 42, uh, the, the, the word is describing how the people of Israel have fallen away and they're facing, you know, they're, they're, they're falling away, right? Their they're, they're captivity, all kinds of stuff is happening. So I read one commentary this week that said you would expect Isaiah 43 to bring judgment, right? Because the, the people of God is not doing what they're supposed to do. But look how Isaiah 43 starts in verse 1. It says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. And here's a little cheat code as a bible reader when you see jacob or israel you can put your name in there right it's not blasphemy you can say like uh this is what the lord says he who created you you know kevin uh this is he who formed you uh, israel in, instead of israel you can do it also so you throw your name in there and it's like yes this is for me also look what he says first words again do not fear it's not a coincidence that's like his his go-to You've messed up. The people of Israel is now facing all these problems. You can do Bible studies on this, all the things that are happening with nations Babylon and Egypt and all these other nations around Israel. Uh, And his first thing is, "Do do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So people talk about consequences, right? They talk about like, oh, you know, your life will never be the same because of your mistake or because of what you did. Or um, I mean, there's people that have had to do prison time and other things that have happened. There are credit scores that have gotten ruined, and there are things that happen. And so... This is my consequences verse. It's like, okay, talk to me about consequences. That sounds kind of like the fire or the waters, right? It sounds kind of like something that would be difficult, but this verse says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. When you pass through the consequence, you're gonna be okay. We're gonna believe in Jesus' name. You're gonna come out even stronger afterwards. And that whatever consequence you might have to live with, let's believe that that turns into one of your greatest blessings and testimonies. Right, like let's believe that he can take this mistake or whatever has happened, whatever your past is trying to, to hold you down with, like whatever it may be for you. And it could be a pattern. Maybe it's happened 15 times. Maybe it's happened a lot. Maybe you think, oh, this is just how my life will be forever. And God says, hey, it's okay to believe in victory after a supposed defeat. We sang that last song, and it was such confirmation for me about victory where, where it looks like, yeah, it looks like Jesus died. Right? Like, it look, like that's our theology, was that even after a supposed defeat, we can believe for resurrection in Jesus' name. And whatever is happening in your life that looks like death or from your past, it's just constantly, constantly nagging you. Like you are dead here. You will never be a good man. Or you will never be a pure woman or you'll never be a good dad, or you'll never be, whatever it is, a good worker, you're lazy, you're irresponsible. Like whatever these words that you think you're just dragging around with you forever, it's, 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 it's done in Jesus' name. There is, there is a resurrection that takes place because our God is alive. Our, our Lord would say to you, do not be afraid. Stop. Stop. Do not be afraid. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. That means that he gave his life so that you can live without having to worry about sin and consequences and these things. And we'll believe in Jesus' name that he'll destroy whatever is trying to hold you back. So like my one and only point this morning is this. Nothing from my past will limit what God wants to do in my future. Nothing from my past will limit what God wants to do in your future. Whatever it is that you think, oh man, that would have been, been awesome to be able to do this, but I'll never be able to because I've chosen this, right? Like like these thoughts, which are just excuses or or victimization or whatever, just lies, just lies from the enemy. Oh, it would have been so awesome to one day be able to, but this is just who I am. I I just pray today that that God will kind of put a new new fire in, in your soul about what can happen through you, about where you could go, what you could do. Like, like, like your creativity and your art or your work ethic or, or whatever it is, that, that we'll see a renewed sense of, wait, who told me that? Who told me I'm not creative? Who told me I, I couldn't get a better job? Who told me that I will not be able to provide for my family? Who told me my kids aren't blessed? They can't go to a good college and they can't, they can't like who said that, right? Like, like where did that even come from? It came from somewhere, but today it's time to believe that even if you've put yourself in a tough situation, he is the God that makes the sun stand still. Right? He is the God that got his people out of that doing this crazy miracle even though they put themselves in a the situation. Like it's kind of easy almost to imagine God sometimes like, okay, I'm gonna forgive you again. I'm gonna forgive you. But now it's like, this is your life. And that's not God. It's not how he is. He will, uh, he'll redeem. Let's believe he'll redeem your consequences. And I, wanna, I wanna, one more passage. I wanna kind of land the, the, No pun intended. <laughs> The plane, that was not on purpose, guys. That's, that was way too cheesy. Not on purpose, right? Um, Luke 15, famous story. You've probably heard this a bunch. If you grew up in church, you've heard this 50 times. I'm gonna read it again, and I, I would ask you to try to imagine, it's kind of your first time hearing this, okay? Um, just kind of just let it hit you as if it were the first time. In Luke 15, it's a story called The Prodigal Son. He had, he had it all. He asked for his inheritance, and he left, like he took off, right? And there's this term that I grew up hearing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this term called backsliding, right? Where you're like, you, you were on fire for the Lord, right? And then you just kind of like took off for a while. And um, there's a lot of guilt that people carry around, a lot of shame that people carry around with that. And, and sometimes they have like this idea that they're kind of like second-class Christians then. Right? Or, like, if, if you've done something that you're totally ashamed of, and you know, you see Pastor JP standing up here, um, some of these worship guys, you're like, oh man, those guys are like true Christians, right? Like, they are next level Navy SEAL Christians. <laughs> and sometimes we just feel like we're just not that. And so, this guy, he blew it bad. Like, when you ask for your inheritance in this culture, it's basically saying, I wish you were dead to your dad. Like, I wish you were dead. Give it to me now. And so he did that, and then he took off, and it says in verse, we'll start in verse 14. It says, after he'd spent everything, everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, fe- uh, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So he comes to this point where a lot of us come to where he's just broken. I mean, he had nothing. He would have traded his arm for a banana, right? A sandwich, anything. He had nothing. Longs to eat what the pigs were eating. says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer called your son. So this, guys, is fear again. It's like our first reaction, right, where we know we've blown it. Like, this is my fault. Like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid what's going to happen. What's the consequence going to be? How is this going to affect my future? Did I just ruin it for my kids? I'm afraid. This guy was afraid. It says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. He's got his speech, right? He's trying to get through it. I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servant, he didn't even acknowledge it. I love that. He wasn't like, oh, no, it's okay. He's just like, whatever. Like, stop, right? Stop. He just looked right to his servants said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So instead of like, oh, you know, son, no, son, it's okay. Stop feeling so guilty. I love it. He's he's like, he didn't even say, don't be afraid. He just just didn't even acknowledge his son's uh, ridiculous fear, right? Like he didn't even give credence to it. And that's like a parent, a parent trick Like those of you who are parents know and those of you one day will be parents, you'll, you'll totally get it, where it's like your kids are just driving you crazy about something, so you just stop acknowledging it, right? Moving on, right? And so I see this father, he looks at his son, he's just like, whatever. I'm not even gonna listen to that. It's, it's, it's so, so far from being true. And, and one of my favorite things about this verse that gets me every time is like, it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And it just gives you this image that his father saw him while he was far off because he was waiting for him. Right, like he he was like, maybe today's the day he comes home. Maybe today, like maybe it's gonna be today. Like I'm just waiting for my son. I I want him to come back where he is loved and he's protected and he's safe and we can bless him and take care of him and, and, and give him what he needs and just let him rest in who God is. Rest in God is the opposite of fear. It's the opposite of living with this worry and this guilt, and, but like, I don't know what's going to happen, and just being on edge, and God would look to you today and be like, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, and maybe it's going to require some bravery and courage to move forward, like, like Joshua had to go to war, but that war turned into one of his greatest victories Right? And so so many times we'll wake up early in the morning, right? And it's like the, the instant we start thinking about our day, there's almost like this dread or worry or concern, or, but what's gonna happen today? And how am I gonna deal with this? And how am I gonna deal with that? And man, I really messed this up. Now I gotta deal. Instead, we should be like, all right, Father, I, I need your help. I, I've done a few things. Forgive me. I need you to walk with me. Go before me today. And, and just believe in your spirit that he would say to you, hey, don't be afraid. Get rid of the fear. We're gonna kill this today. We're gonna, we're gonna crush this. I am with you. I will go before you, right? I, I see what you need before you do. I know what your heart desires better than you do. I know it's gonna set you up for long-term success more than you ever will. I know what you, your mind needs to think today, what you need to say today, what you need to see today. Let him, that is surrendering our life to him. And so t- today, more than anything, I, I just want to encourage those of you who have a constant struggle with something that's happened in the past. Like just this, m- this the mentality maybe, uh, maybe this idea that it's never going never gonna to change. Um, this idea that you just keep carrying around this shame or this guilt or, or even when you think you're free of it right, and some time passes, and then all of a sudden, there it is again, right, and it's trying to knock you down, and, and, and you look at yourself, and you're like, man, I should have done this different or this better or whatever it is. Today, I want to declare to you, and I want you to believe this with your whole heart, there is nothing from your past, nothing that will determine how God wants to use you, that will keep God from using you in your future, right, so I want to invite the worship team up, and I want to invite you guys to stand with me, actually. I want to pray The Bible, people mention this a lot, you may have heard this, that the Bible actually says the command do not fear uh, more than 300 times, right? It's the most often repeated command in the Bible. Do not fear. There's no other command that is said as much. Not even love your, your neighbor, nothing. Do not fear. We see it over and over and over and over again. It's like our first inclination is to be like, but, but, stop. But you stop. Do not be afraid. Our our inclination to think about what we've done, and when we come before a holy God, and he's just saying he wants to run to you, he ran. Right? And, and so scholars would tell you that in this culture with the, the, the prodigal son story, that distinguished older men didn't run, right? That's what they would tell you. They didn't run. It, wasn't, it was like they were more of a distinguished, uh, there was a respect level, you know, that where people would come to them. And this guy, so when Jesus is telling the story, he's intentionally placing these different nuggets in there. So people are like, oh, the guy ran? The father ran to his son? The son should come and beg for forgiveness. But the father's running. Like, oh, thank God you're back. We're gonna, we're gonna celebrate. And I love this thought. Like, he is the God of parties and not punishments, right? Like, that's, that's our God. That's the God we serve. He's not just, like, sitting there waiting to punish you for your latest mistake. He's trying to celebrate you as his beloved son, beloved daughter, right? So pray with me. Father, uh, thank you. Lord, we just come, we just say as a church, thank you. Thank you, Father, for this grace, this amazing grace that you've bestowed on us. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father, that that we cannot outrun your grace. Father, right now, anyone who is even now struggling in their mind with this concept, Father, I just pray that your supernatural peace will come upon all of us. Lord, I pray anyone who's really struggling through this idea, who's trying to say, yeah, but, in their mind, I pray that you you will just reveal yourself even more to them. Father, we worship you. We come before you. We thank you. God, I pray that you will truly set people free today. I pray that we will be able to see our future in a different light. God, I pray for dreams and visions to be resurrected in Jesus' name. God, I do, I, I pray for creativity and, and, and for, for for the those who are artistic just to, to, to believe that they are capable of, of doing this crazy dream you put in their heart. You are capable of it. Lord, I pray for those who are looking for a job that that they will not, they will not think less of themselves, that they will know that they are capable uh, because you are with them. You are, you are going before them. You are our God. And, and Father, I pray that you will, you will direct us to look up to believe for more this day. And we just rebuke guilt and shame in Jesus' name. It has no place here. You are saved and you are set free and you are loved. And guilt and shame have no place in your life father we look to you as our as our holy purifier sanctifier lord and i pray that today you will just continue that process god i pray that we will be able to leave here with a peace Father, like, like we haven't had in a long time, bring peace, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, I just want to encourage you guys to worship. Uh, uh, we're going to sing a little more, and what I love to do after uh, at the close of a service is just to kind of uh, in your own words, in your own way, re- just invite the Lord to do uh, what we've talked about. Invite the Lord to purify any of these thoughts or any of these struggles, and invite the Lord in your life to begin to reveal again, Father, open my eyes to my future. What do you have for me? For my kids? Uh, what 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 do you want to see through my generational line? How are we going to have multi-generational impact in you? Why can't we be the ones who are able to give bigger amounts and who are able to see mountains moved in Jesus? And just begin to reflect, begin to pray, and just see what God speaks to you this morning.